Hello, you're listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin, and I'm now joined by my co-host, Lisa Biffin. How are you going? I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm having a, a good week. Um, well, I am actually now. I had a few headaches yesterday and today, but um, nothing that an actual full good night's sleep can't fix. Excellent. And uh, some painkillers. <laughs> Actually, painkillers and a coffee. I know that it's probably not the best thing to be relying on the coffee to fix it, but it works. I think coffee's almost in the wonder drug category, I'd reckon. It's in my wonder drug category. So, um, Is coffee a superfood? Uh, yes. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think there will be a lot of people out there that say yes. So um, I'm feeling really good. What about you? Um, I'm not too bad. Uh, I'm continuing to battle through the uh, the the very uh, frigid Ballarat winter, um, but have managed today to get my midweek long run done. So I think I did about an hour and 30-something minutes this morning. So. Yeah, that's excellent. I think next year you're going to have to book like a European vacation <laughs> with the winter. Either that or just go to Darwin or, yeah. you know, somewhere a little bit warmer. Anywhere um, but Ballarat. Anywhere but Ballarat, yeah. I, a lot of people do do that. They they have a midweek midwinter um, Christmas in July or August type holiday. Um, but yeah, it's about this time where you've really been into the deep dark winter for a good month or so that it starts to wear on you a little bit. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I have had a couple of weeks where you know started to get a little bit grumpy, a um, little bit kind of uh, yeah, I don't know, a little yeah, a little bit of. A little bit of man flu floating around here and there, just you know, struggling oh, no. to get out there in those freezing cold winds and, and rain. But uh, but you yeah. have. So what have you done have. this week? Uh, so it has been freezing and windy. I actually saw uh, an Instagram post, I think it was, of Lisa Waitman, very well-known Australian marathoner. Yes. A uh, tiny little thing who got bowled over in the wind it was that strong <laughs> she got, she got literally got blown off her feet <laughs> so you're not quite that small you got a bit more a bit more weight behind you but how did you fare in that wind um well look you know as as you know the wind does slow you down a little um so I, look I've, I've just managed to survive it let's just let's just put it that way and last week um uh i was trying to push up into and a kind of a new training plateau. So I'd kind of done four or five weeks of averaging around 70-something kilometres a week. And last week was the week where I was going to try and step that up to um, to 80Ks. And, yeah, so the week kind of panned out with you know, st- I start most of my weeks with a rest day on a Monday. And, Me too. You know, I love a good rest day. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, it's, it's, it's something to really look forward to when you're either on or just completing your long run on a Sunday where you, you just know I've got tomorrow off. Yeah. Look, hats off to those that double up on a Monday. I actually physically and mentally can't do it. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Um, so yeah, I just did a couple of easy runs on Tuesday, um, 
uh, I haven't really discussed it yet, but um, a couple of months ago, I actually quit my job. So I'm currently a man of leisure, um, which means that I can do a double run on a Tuesday. Um, but for me, a double run looks like like an 8K run in the morning and a 5K run in the afternoon. Life um, of the elite athlete. Oh, yeah, that, that's me, full-time athlete now. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I ended up with the princely sum of about 14Ks for my Tuesday without too much Running effort. twice. <laughs> Running twice, oh, yeah, that's right. A lot of effort uh, for only 14Ks. Yeah. I know, yeah, I, I know, right? Um, yeah, it's... Don't know if it is worth it, but I just I'm just going to try this double run thing. I've I've heard a lot about it from better runners than me, so I thought if I can just get that second run done, maybe it'll make me a better athlete. Who knows? Probably not. Um, and yeah, so Wednesday I actually did my I swapped, so I didn't do my long run on a Sunday. So the running gods will probably punish me for that somehow. But because um, you know you have to do your long run on a Sunday, otherwise you know it just doesn't work or something like so so i did two almost two hours an hour 57 on the wednesday um because i was going to be away on the weekend and wouldn't have time for that so i moved it up to the wednesday and i covered about 21 and a half k's i think and maybe you're starting to move a lot better it sounds yeah so i think what did i average pace wise in that run i think it was uh, 527 kilometer pace average. Oh, good. Moving. Um, which is solid. Um, and I think my average heart rate was 135. So, um, yeah, it was pretty controlled. Um, and I've really been trying to build up to being able to run, uh, a two hour long run really quite strongly but without you know really stressing my body too much um, well the way you're going you're nearly going to run your marathon pb in training <laughs> well no i'm definitely going to avoid doing that i don't, <laughs> I don't want to like run my race in training um so that's yeah we're probably going to get onto this but one of the reasons why i'm trying to keep that heart rate under control is just to make sure i'm not kind of overreaching in training and uh just kind of running it out nice and nice and strongly so so yeah that that went all right although i have to say and i know i'm talking about the weather a lot but that wednesday was actually the coldest ballarat day on record yeah you have a a good reason to be whinging about that wednesday that (laughs) wasn't for i wasn't in ballarat but i tell you what it certainly didn't sound fun and the images that i saw on the news yeah i I think it topped out at about three and a half degrees or something was the top temperature oh wow it's crazy and it was <laughs> it was wet and it was windy and it was generally pretty awful. Um, one thing I did do on that run was change my proposed route um, because the weather and the wind was so bad. So I actually ended up doing a lot of back and forth on a really sheltered section of trail. Um, so I was going to do this big giant loop, but just the weather conditions were so bad. I just thought I just need to... Um, try and uh get into a, a slightly nicer microclimate so um so yeah i did i stayed a little bit flexible there and um just changed my route a little bit what's your mental state like in the wind because i know mine i just turn into this negative grump when it's windy <laughs> i go from being a super upbeat positive person and then in the wind you know it's like I'm an alternate ego yeah look i think i'm a bit similar i, I really i do not enjoy running in the wind and the rain. Um, and yeah, I think uh, you and I joke about it that we read somewhere that Kenyans don't run in the rain. 
<laughs> I reckon that's a pretty good policy. <laughs> oh, gosh, why well, don't run in the wind? <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just can't avoid it. But, um, yeah, at, at this time of year, it, it's just something that you've got to get out and get it done. But, yeah, if you can be flexible with your route and try and get out of the wind a little bit, it certainly makes it a little bit more tolerable. Mm. Um and what else? Oh, so Thursday I did about 50-something minutes and I did a few of those little, um, uh, I think I'm, I did a few of these little Arthur Lydiard slow hill, they're not hill sprints, they're just kind of um, uh, like a, a kind of a short hill effort, probably about a 60 or 70 metre using a full proper strong sprinty running gait. Do you have any, um, have you written about that on the blog or put any uh, videos on the YouTube channel? I actually haven't written about that on the blog um, uh, in the past, but I did make a video which I haven't actually put up on the YouTube channel, but I will do that and we can link that up to the the show notes. Um, yeah, and then everyone can, 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 everyone can critique my uh, my weird and wacky um, Arthur Lydiard slow hill running um, which I did. So essentially I did six efforts up this hill. Um, I'm just finding that oh, I'm doing that actually basically as a really specific um, running strength training exercise and it's just something I can do at the end of a, a relatively easy run um, on a Thursday. Um, so, yeah, just getting up and down this hill um, six times, yeah, really find at the end of that that um, given the glutes and the hammies a good workout as well as kind of really stretch out um, all of the tendons and muscles in the feet and lower legs as well. And uh, I, I'd had a look at some of the material on the um, Lydiard Foundation website where they've got some old lectures of Arthur Lydiard talking about um, some of the hill training that um, he had his athletes uh, doing and that because they did that kind of training, they very rarely had those kind of overuse tendon type injuries because they were, they were really um, working and therefore protecting um, those areas, their bodies, quite a lot by doing that. So, okay, yeah. that's that's a good point. So, that would ha- they would have to be one of the more common type of overuse running injuries, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, I, look, lots of people get um, you know problems with their feet and lower legs in particular, mm. and those are the kind of injuries and niggles that either slow you down or can stop you running. So, I guess anything you can do to try and I heard someone talk about prehab the other day. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not rehab but prehab to try and prevent injuries. Um, I guess you could consider that type of um, that type of, type of session as a potential um, prehab session. So I'll be interested to see if it does have some magical protective properties for me as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Are you quite um, susceptible to that? Uh, yeah, look, in the past, I used to get a lot of, um, shin injuries in particular. So the kind of classic non-specific shin splints, which could be a whole range of causes and, and whatnot. Um, anything from you might, you might have a stress fracture or you've stressed out your, um, soleus or you've stretched out some of the kind of deeper muscles, um, uh, that sit underneath your soleus as well. So it could be a whole range of um, issues that cause shin pain. But, yeah, I used to get a lot of shin pain. But mm. fortunately these days not so much. Um, I probably credit um, just doing a bit more strength work and being a bit more the, aware of the way that I'm running to reduce the amount of kind of um, shearing and twisting forces on that lower 
part of the leg by just being more stable and better aligned. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the rest of the week, it sort of petered out for me a little bit on Friday and Saturday. I think I can't remember whether, what, what happened there, but I only ended up with a couple of shorter runs there, maybe like a 7 and a 6K run. Um, but then on Sunday, oh, that's right, because I had to go away on the weekend. Um, so Saturday was minimal amount of time. So I ended up running 5K on Saturday. And then Sunday I uh, went for a run with my brother. Mm-hmm. And- How many Mr. Mr. Isolation joined the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. So it was good to run with someone else and particularly someone who was happy to run at my speed. Yeah. Um, so we went out at the crack of dawn um, in Wodonga at 7am on Sunday morning and we covered 18Ks in an hour and 36. And, yeah, we were, yeah, we were, we were motoring actually. Um, so tell me this. Average, you, 5.19 pace is, average. Yeah, that's that's a great pace. Was it hilly? Was it flat? What was it like? It was really quite flat um, and they've got, there's a few places where, you know, they've got those old former railway lines and they've converted this area into a really nice rail trail and they've kind of built up the surface with some of that um, nice granite sand sitting over the top of a clay base and it was they had this weird kind of mix of what looked like recycled glass fragments scattered over the top Um, and it was just an amazing, really nice surface to run on. Um, And, yeah, after, you know, running... I usually run my my first Kenyan K in about six six minute kilometer pace, but after that, you know, just really got moving um, really well. So that was kind of one of the better runs that I've done. And as someone um, who loves a good solo run and not running with people, are you a convert now? Uh, look, yeah, I, I I really quite enjoy running with other people. Um, the challenge is finding someone who wants to run at a pace that's appropriate for where you're at fitness-wise and particularly, and we're going to get into this later since I've kind of adopted this slightly more patient and slower running philosophy, there's not that many people around who want to go for a two-hour run um, who, you know, probably going to end up barreling along at five-minute K pace or faster, which is actually just too fast for me at the moment. Um, So, yeah, when it happens, it's good. And, yeah, we're just having a good chat along the way. So, obviously, the time goes a lot quicker. Um, when you're having a bit of a chin wag. So, yeah, I don't mind it. It's just finding someone, the right kind of person to train with. Um, otherwise, yeah, sometimes you're kind of better served to train by yourself. Yeah, no, good point. So what did you get K-wise in the end? You're aiming for 80. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think I quite hit it in the end. I ended up with about 77 and a half um, just because of that extra bit of travel had to do on the weekend. So the Saturday run got cut short. But, uh, yeah, no, that was good. So I'll almost take that as an 80K week and, uh, you know, next week hopefully I'll I'll get into the 80s. What about you? I had a good week too, actually. Uh, I came, came off a, a race that I had done on, um, on the Sunday. Not that I raced it. I did it as a bit of an effort. Uh, and so I had a bit of an easier start to the week bit of a gentle fart like on the Tuesday and this week was the start of me. Uh, my two main sessions of the week were my Wednesday midweek long run and the Sunday long run. Um, so I've got the nanny in so I can now get out the door on the Wednesday. Uh, I want to build to 90 minutes so I, I got out for 60 minutes 
Um, and I've also got a specific goal of wanting to run a lot of those long runs over hills uh, because I'm not doing a lot of volume and not only training five days a week. Um, I'm not so much worried about you know what my pace comes out at the end, but I feel like running over the hills just gives me that extra little bit of strength work that I you know, can't find the time to get in. So that was really nice. Chased a few hills, um, had another easy session on the Thursday on the track, just uh, a bunch of 400s off only 30 seconds rest. Um, How many is a bunch? Uh, a bunch is 10. 10? Yeah, so 10 by off 30 seconds. Off 30 seconds and the aim was to run them in about 88 seconds. Um, okay. So just feeling comfortable, not overstretched, but I guess having that thir- that thirty seconds goes so quickly. <laughs> yeah. By the time you finish and you you got your hands on your hips and you're huffing and puffing, you look down and you think, oh god, I've got five seconds. I'm going again. But um, so is that sort of roughly at about your five k type effort or that, pace? Yeah, I'd say that it would be. I'm not sure what that equates to. Over five. Um, you might have to plug that into something and give me an answer to that. Yeah, I'd, off the top of my head, I'd say maybe it's about 19 minutes or something. Mm, so, you know, started off in 89s and actually worked down to 86s um, and felt amazing. Actually, it felt like I was moonwalking. So, um, well, that's good because 86s is like that's sub 18 pace, I reckon. Yeah. So, just d- d- ended up in, in sort of about two. Two, doing two of them in 86 seconds, um, but it was really nice just easing into them. Um, it was a really cold night too, actually, so um, just gently going through them. So I love that session, actually. I quite like 10 by 400s. Dial in for pace and, and away you go. Um, and then I had a couple of shockers on the weekend. Life got in the way for me. Um, two really bad sleeps, one with little people keeping me up and giving me sort of one-hour sleep intervals, which is... Small, small humans have got a lot to answer oh, for. Which is really not a lot of fun. So I woke up Saturday morning and I'm not sure if this happens to other mums and dads out there, but through the lack of sleep, I felt hungover, like I'd had about 85 wines and I hadn't had any. <laughs> and I, well, I think that, that's right, isn't it? Because like not sleeping, basically, you end up performing mentally and physically as if you were drunk. Yeah, well, I I felt like I, I felt drunk minus the fun, so... <laughs> <laughs> You missed out on the fun part. Oh, dear. So I was meant to do a session. I was going to do two 1,500-metre fartleks followed by a 4K tempo. I'd said that I really wanted to start introducing tempos on my Saturdays, so I was just going to um, dip the toe in the water with a short one. But eventually got out the door and the fartleks, I actually can't even remember running them. I just thought, I'm sleep running here. Um, mm-hmm. I had a bit of a hammy twinge and I just thought this is just all going in the wrong direction. So I actually pulled the pin. Yep. And I thought I like it. Yeah. Like, in that in that circumstance, what have you got to gain yeah. by keeping going? You've got so much to lose. Exactly. And I just thought, what are your main goals? And they are the Wednesday and the Sunday. And I had a two hour run on the Sunday planned and I wanted to chase some really steep hills um, in Jerangong. There's this amazing coastal trail and I thought, pull the pin now, get some rest, wake up, feel refreshed. So it's exactly what I did and I got up Sunday morning and I felt a million dollars. So I was really happy with that decision actually to 
um, not force something that just wasn't happening. Um, but uh, I, I had a bit of a, I suppose, a, a natural disaster like you with your wins on the Sunday. The course that I wanted to do, I um, I got to the the start of it, and there's normally this tiny little like trickle of a stream. <laughs> And I got there and there was like massive high tides and it was was like this full-on like beach that I had to swim across and I just looked at it and thought, no chance. (laughs) Yeah. So like you, I thought, right, I'm going to readjust this course. And high t- high tide, the moon got in the, in your way. Oh, it literally did. And I thought, you know what? I don't mind just you know getting my toes or whatever wet. But when I'm going to have to wade through like waist high, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit extreme. It's a bit extreme, and it wasn't very warm. And I just thought, nope, this is not meant to be today. So, um, ended up just going on a random adventure. I don't even really know where I went. Every sort of hill that I saw and random street, I ran down it. Um, and it was fantastic. I had such an amazing run um, chasing hills. Ended up running 521s as my average as well, which really blew me away. Oh, right. um, That's speedy. Yeah, it was was I was actually really shocked. So I tell you what, having rest and sometimes just listening to your body when something's not going right, um, it, it really pays dividends. So I was really happy. In, in the end, I actually got 70Ks for the week after, you know, bailing on that session. So um, That's good. Did, did you wear your heart rate monitor on that long one? Oh, so I didn't. I, I took it with me and I completely forgot to put it on. So um, I wished I had it because I felt effortless. It was one of those days where it was just, you know, nothing was, was too hard. Yep. I love those days because you have all these plans going through your head. I'm going to train like this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve that. And then you get out the next day and it's you can barely run six-minute Ks. So <laughs> I take those good days when I get there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. We both had good days yeah. on, on Sunday. So really, really good week. Really pleased. Um, big positive step in the right direction as I move closer to uh, my – proper marathon block i'm calling this a pre-marathon block um it's three weeks mm. with a focus on those wednesday and sundays yeah so mission accomplished that's very good and we're going to talk about your marathon plan in a couple of weeks actually yeah uh, once i've once i've finished it i've got a bit of a draft floating around so we'll um we'll pick it apart and look at the maybe the good things have a debate about some of the things that you and i may not see eye to eye yeah. on I think you're going to force me to write mine down because mine's just in my yeah, head um, no. and I'm making it up. So I'll, I'll write mine down and then we can you can pull mine apart after I uh, take you to task on yours. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So, um, yeah, so good weeks. But um, what are we talking about this week? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, we're actually going to talk about slow running and how slow, um, if it is possible, to be too slow after this short break. Ah, there we go. So how how slow is too slow? Is there such a thing? Um, That's what we're talking about for this week's topic of the week. And this is a topic that is currently close to my heart. Um, Given I am following essentially a, uh, well, I suppose you could call it a slow running philosophy, but um, uh, you could also call it a um, 
uh, I suppose, a modest effort-based philosophy based on heart rate. Um, so my starting point would be that um, there isn't such a thing as too slow um, and that you should run as slowly as you need to on any given day considering your training background and your overall goals. What about you, Lisa? Yeah, this is a really interesting one because the life that I lead and I imagine many others are in a similar boat where slow is not always a good thing. We live in an incredibly fast-paced world and we're always just rushing to get things done and um, I know that there's the, the app Strava, which I know lots of people are on, and there is this habit of looking at how fast other people are running and thinking, well, if they're running that fast, I need to run that fast too. So you get out of this mindset of running to your ability and you start copying others when in actual fact maybe running slower is going to help you run faster, which is a really odd concept to get your head around. Yeah, it is It is a bit counterintuitive and um yeah, it might get into some of the benefits and how that might actually take place um, from a physiology perspective. But the other thing I've kind of been thinking about, and yeah, I, th- I think it's because I'm getting a little older. Um, <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit um, is that, um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's kind of this, yeah, you can talk about slow running, but um, some people might be aware of um the slow food movement, which is kind of like a bit of an antidote to the the fast-paced life that you were just talking about, um, and just slowing down and enjoying what you're doing um, and being a bit more um, present um, in what you're doing. And I, I don't like using the word mindfulness because it gets thrown around a lot, probably too much these days. But um, a very big yeah. word over the last few years. It really has, but perhaps it, perhaps it is the right word here um, because um, that kind of slow food movement has, you know, it's kind of branched out a little bit and people are trying to um, adopt it into other parts of their lives. Um, and there's a great quote that I found um, recently um, by an author. He's actually a, a journalist, Canadian journalist, Carl Honoré, who He's written a book, In Praise of Slow, which is quite a nice title. Mm. And what he said was, and this is a bit of a segue into um, not I'm I'm kind of following a slow philosophy, but that doesn't mean that slow is going to happen all the time. Let's just hear what Carl had to say. The slow philosophy is not about doing everything at a snail's pace. It's about seeking to do everything at the right speed, doing everything as well as possible instead of as fast as possible um and look i i kind of really like that um that there's a lot of wisdom in that for life in general but i really like that as applied to running as well because yeah doing things at the right speed should be something that we should be thinking about i am really liking it in this context of my new life trying to train for a marathon because previously being more of a track runner and road runner, there is a lot more emphasis on on speed, whereas you know, the marathon, obviously, it's about endurance. So you can't, you actually just can't build endurance quickly. No, that's right. So by applying, I guess, a slow philosophy to it, um, 
it actually enables you to get the training out. Um, and as that quote said, you know, get it done at the right pace because, you know, there are so many stories of hearing in a marathon people going out so fast and, you know, and they blow up. And I guess you can apply that to your training too. You, you're training so hard all the time that you get injured or you get burnt out. That's right. And there's so many people that just don't even make the start line when they're, particularly when they're training for a marathon, but probably for other events as well. So, yeah, that kind of slow philosophy, uh, I think at least increases your chances of, of getting to the getting to the start um, and doing so in a way and by doing very specific training that's actually going to benefit you in a physiological sense for the marathon and for other running as well. Mm. So I, if you had have asked me, is there such a thing as too slow prior to taking on this marathon, mm-hmm. my answer would have been yes. Yep. Now that I'm doing this marathon training, my answer and my perspective has it definitely changed? Um, and there's there's a couple of reasons for this. And first of all is I came into this marathon journey being incredibly unfit and having no base whatsoever. Um, and also previously in training, I'd sometimes find myself getting quite frustrated by not hitting certain times in sessions or not running a particular pace for a run. And I was actually losing the simplicity of what running actually is and that enjoyment and I was becoming so obsessed with the watch. Hmm. Whereas now with that mentality of, well, it doesn't actually matter how slow I am running because I've got a really big goal and even if I get out and do 30 minutes at six, six and a half minute K pace, that's 30 minutes extra than I've done if I had of you know, cracked it because I wasn't running five minutes or under and just given up on the session. Yeah, that's right. And look, from just getting into that, um, going the right speed. So I decided when I did my first marathon last year in 2017 that I would mostly follow um, Phil Maffetone's, um, uh his 180 formula. So basically the way that that works is he – and he, he basically says this is almost an arbitrary number, but the, the important part is the re- – the product of this formula um, and what it does for your running. So he starts with 180, you subtract your age from that, um, and then that gives you a number which um, he suggests that um, you do the vast majority of your training either at that heart rate or in a range, say, 10 beats below that. Um, And what he's suggesting is that that's actually a zone where you'll be using completely aerobic systems um, which means that yeah there won't be any um, anaerobic effects you won't be accumulating lactic acid Um, it should be like a nice slow easy pace and and the kind of pace where you can have a conversation so that long run that I did with my brother we were both sort of sitting under our um, our maximum Lydiard uh, sorry our maximum Maffetone heart rates and yeah we were able to have a chat pretty much the whole way along Um, So, yeah, it's a good kind of easy conversational pace. And last year when I kind of was starting out and actually at the beginning of the year this year um, at 137 beats a minute, you know, struggling to run six-minute K pace and, you know, if I was going up a hill or there was a headwind or whatever, then, then, yeah, it would be six-minute K pace um, as necessary. But what I've found um, over time... 
last year and probably more so this year um, as I've built up my base a bit more that that kind of training um, effort, so for the same heart rate, I'm actually running a little bit quicker now. So, you know, we're talking about that, um, what an average, um, five, tw- oh, was it 519? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 519 for, um, you know, an 18-kilometre run um, as opposed to um, an average closer to six-minute kilometre pace. That's quite a significant um, improvement. Yeah, that's a massive and improvement. Just- and you really haven't changed anything, like you haven't forced anything. No, I haven't had to really strain to achieve that. And, you know, Arthur Lydiard said, um, train, don't strain. But and- it's such a good point because I know that there's, you know, there's a fine line, I guess, between pushing yourself but straining. Mm. And- yeah, there is. And if you're going to be straining the whole time, particularly if you're training for a marathon, like you, you're almost certainly going to come to a point where you either burn yourself out or you get injured. Mm-hmm. Um so, from the standpoint of someone who doesn't have much experience in running marathons, which is me. And um, me. And you um, and probably a lot of other people um, out there as well, that it does kind of keep you in quite a safe zone um, to do a lot of your training at. Um, so, it's got a lot to like about it. Um, and particularly when, you know, most people are running the marathon in about four hours. So, I would kind of argue that there's almost zero benefit in doing um, a whole lot of uh, faster running um, in preparation for the marathon. And look, I'm I'm probably going to argue with myself here because I, I, I did write an article on the blog, I don't know whether it was 10 years ago, but it might have been about eight years ago or so, where I was talking about long, slow distance and how for some runners... Um, it might not actually be the best approach. And the reason I was thinking that at the time was um, how can you just um, run all of these miles, like say you're trying to build up to run a marathon and you're going to just try and increase your mileage the whole time. How are you going to do that if you're not strong enough or you don't move well enough so that um, uh, you might get injured? And I, I guess at the time I was making the argument that if you put in some faster running um, from time to time, uh, that that might actually help you move a little better with better movement patterns um, and therefore you might be able to um, run um, in a way that would be or have less chance of getting injured. So I, I kind of I don't completely disagree with what I wrote back then but I've, I've probably questioned it a little bit now where I think you can kind of think about how you're moving when you're running more slowly as well. Um, and if you can get to the, yourself to the point where you're running with pretty good running technique and running form um, at that slower pace that you you probably are at lesser risk of, of getting injured um, overall. So, Do you think it's a difficult one because we're saying, you know, how slow is too slow, but at the same time running – is about running as fast as you can or competitions are about running as fast as you can. So on one token, suggesting, well, train slow, um, but then in a race, (laughs) go as fast as you can. Yeah, look, that's probably what a lot of people want to get out of their racing, but Mm. um, there's probably a lot of people that are doing events um, who don't necessarily want to run 
as fast as they can, but they do want to prove that they can sustain like a good effort for a half marathon or a marathon or a 10K or whatever it is that their goal is. So for them, it might not be about in the race running as absolutely fast as they can. So this kind of um, more steady approach, I think probably makes a good deal of sense. And if you think about the marathon, it's, you know, it's really almost 100% aerobic event. Um, so if you can just be doing this kind of slow burn, building up your aerobic capacity and system the whole time, there's a fair chance that by doing that, that your marathon pace is going to get that little bit quicker. Mm, and how do you um, as well. discipline yourself in training to not just want to go out and run as hard as you can? Because I'm not maybe in the 80s, you know, there's a lot of training philosophies of just push hard, push yourself to the limits, you know, do everything as quick and as hard and as fast as you can. And no pain, no, no pain, gain. No gain. That's the perfect slogan. I was, I was actually listening to um, uh, another podcast. Uh, I think it was a, the Trail Runner Nation podcast, and they had Dr. Mark Cookazella, who's yeah, really, really great bloke, um, a medical doctor, an extremely experienced um, endurance athlete, has run thirty years of sub three hour marathons. So incredible incredible runner um but yeah he was talking about the no strain no gain philosophy but he just then added on no brain to the end <laughs> um so yeah Actually, it's, i remember it's, the barcelona olympics i think that was 92 the a slogan in australia was no pain no spain oh really i'm, I'm oh. sure i'm gonna have to google now to prove that i'm not making that up um, I wasn't very yeah. old at the time, so I'm not really sure why that resonates with me. Um, yeah. Maybe a good marketing campaign. But, yeah, there are a lot of those training philosophies out there. So then to be sitting here and saying, well, there is no such thing as too slow, you know, train slow to get better, mm. that yep. is, how and, do you and, discipline yourself to take that on? Yeah, well, look, it was pretty easy really. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, You've got to have that long-term um, view for your training in the marathon, and if you if you don't, you're probably not going to make the start line. Look, I was certainly really paranoid about not making the start line last year, so I was happy to have a training philosophy that would basically keep me in check um, because, you know, we're all sort of type A driven personalities as runners, so, you know, we want to, want to be kind of running further and faster and all of that, but... Um, yeah, just just knowing that you had that big goal in um, and a long term goal in place was enough to kind of keep me in check mm. to a point. So I guess it's not so much about slow is probably the the wrong terminology. It's more about training within your I guess limits. And if that is a seven minute K for jogging pace, then it's a seven minute K. You know, it doesn't matter that your mate might be doing five minutes. Um, yeah, that's right. It's basically training at a point where it's aerobic and it's fun and it's enjoyable um, and that might be slower or faster on any given day depending on what's happening to you in the rest of your that's life. That's actually so, a really, know, really good point. What you were describing on your Saturday when you pulled the yeah. pin was probably a perfect example, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you on Sunday, you ran 5.19s, but, you know, this week you might go out on your Sunday and, you know, you're sore or weather's against you or what have you, um, and it might be six-minute Ks. Yeah, it could be, could be completely mm. different. Um, and, yeah, look, 
you you just got to run. You got to yeah. Everyone talks about listening to your body, um, but none of us are probably really good at really too good at um, doing that. So um, yeah, having an approach where you're working to a heart rate and using your heart rate monitor is um, definitely something that helps keep you in check on days where you're probably not feeling so great because you know the the heart rate monitor will kind of reaffirm that fact really quickly like if you've done some hard training the day before there's no way that you're going to roll out the next day and be able to run at the same pace at the at the same heart rate or you know, you probably shouldn't because then you are risking yourself of injury totally yeah. Got to allow yourself a good amount of time to recover from those those kind of efforts. Yeah, so just uh, I just needed to clarify something. So the T-shirt slogan for the opening of the US Olympic track and field trials was "No pain, no Spain." Nineteen Olympics. I bet there were a few of them that didn't make the team because they were no pain, no gain, no <laughs> oh, braining. Oh dear! So um, ah, oh, clarified that one. Yeah, no, that's that's funny. So yeah, and look, you know, it's all very well to go. Yeah, run, run more slowly, or more accurately, run in your aerobic range. And for different people, that will be at different paces. And for some people, that would actually be quite fast um, because they've got a giant aerobic base, and and usually they're pretty super talented and got great genetics for running. So that really helps. But but generally, training in that aerobic zone, you know so many benefits there like stronger heart that pumps more blood with every every beat um you've got increased oxygen capacity in your blood uh your muscles will become kind of riddled with a much more um dense set of capillaries so blood is going further and deeper into your running muscles and then your muscles um, basically learn to process and use that blood and the oxygen supplied more effectively and efficiently. And the one that I kind of forgot about was um, um, something that uh, Peter Snell, who was one of Arthur Lydiard's runners, won gold medals um, in the Rome Olympics and Tokyo Olympics in 1960 and 1964 in the 800 uh, 800 meters twice and 1500 meters once um he was basically looking into well i'm doing all this steady state um aerobic training um and training you know well over an hour and what was actually happening physiologically so he became an exercise physiologist after he finished running um and he kind of discovered that after about an hour you've kind of fatigued out your slow twitch muscle fibers and then you start to train your fast twitch muscle fibers mm. so you kind of got this extra benefit of going a bit longer and a bit more steadily in that you're actually getting a training effect on um, muscle fibers which would by and large help you to run fast and that's good from two perspectives like one um, the slow training is probably actually training you for speed to a certain extent, but it also means those faster twitch muscle fibers are then available to kind of help you and be trained to be able to kick in and, and help you in the marathon when you're feeling really tired towards the end, uh, which you definitely will. Well, I'm, I'm about to find that out. But the yeah. only time I'm probably going to argue that there is such thing as too slow <clears throat> is when you're looking at doing like specific speed and interval type of sessions um, mm-hmm. because if 
you know, you, you obviously you're long, slow running. Um, you know, there's a different purpose to that. But if you're, you know, stepping onto the track or an oval and wanting to do repetitions, um, there's you're not really getting a lot of benefit running you know, five by four hundred meters at the same pace that you're doing your Sunday slow jog. No, that's right. And look, it depends on what you're training for and at what stage your training is at. Because, um, look, Phil Maffetone's philosophy is by and large mostly focused on training the aerobic system and getting that giant base. But um, if you go back and look at the Arthur Lydiad one, it really is kind of like a pyramid where there's this giant aerobic base building period on the bottom. Um, and then he adds different elements like hill running um, and some speed work and sharpening work as you get closer to the race. Um, and they would, uh, the, certainly the Lydiard Foundation would um, make the argument, and I'm sure this is probably backed up by physiology, that you pretty much tap out your benefits from anaerobic or faster type training after about six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Um, so, yeah, there's I, you wouldn't get any argument from me that there's benefit in doing some speed work and anaerobic work in the in the lead up to um, your important race, but I would probably argue that you kind of need to be doing it all year round, um, and you certainly don't need to be doing a lot of it if you're training for a marathon as opposed to a shorter yeah. event. I guess how do you know if you're running too slow in in intervals? Uh, what are you basing this off? Uh, well, are you sort of getting into the kind of you know five minute five by one kilometer type? Yeah, intervals? so that's quite Is a popular session. Or? So, for example, yeah. someone was heading out and they're going to do five by one kilometers around an oval or on a on a dirt path, um, and they're a, a mm. six minute kilometer um, jogger. What sort of paces should they really be aiming for to know that they're actually getting the proper benefits what they're meant to be doing from that session as opposed to just jogging it and ticking it off yeah look i've struggled i'm struggling a little bit because i probably wouldn't suggest that a six minute (laughs) jogger do that session in the first place um but i probably would think uh maybe less so much about the pace um and unless you're quite experienced and you've got a you know good background behind you and you've got a specific pace goal, then that kind of session would be something that you'd be trying to teach yourself to hold your 5K race pace. So that would be a specific purpose where you would probably look at pace over effort or heart rate. Um, but for other people, if you were trying to get a benefit out of that, then you basically, and this, this would be a good time to go and get your Daniel's Running Formula book out. Um, because he defines um, a whole series of pace targets um, for runners of different abilities. Um, but yeah, if I was going to do that session now, I would probably I'd, I'd probably do a fartlek instead <laughs> for the for a similar kind of purpose. Um, but I would look at trying to get my heart rate up in the effort sections into the into the kind of one sixties, yep. just. Um, which you know, other people might. You, you could go a little bit harder than that, um, but for me at the moment, I'd just be trying to get to the point where I'm sort of dipping slightly into that five k effort um, area. Um, 
but yeah, I'll, I'll personally, I'm, I'm not going to be doing much of that sort of training for the marathon. If I was, if I was running, if I was building up to a 5k, yeah, I'd do a short block of that kind of training, but but yeah, right now I'm not going to be doing too much of that. So there's not really such a thing as too slow, I guess, to to wrap up. It's more, um, you know, what is the right pace for you at that right point in time um, to enable you to continue to improve and build without getting injured? Yeah, that's right. And look, if you again, if you're just going to follow that kind of philosophy of building up your aerobic base then over time you're going to see see your easy pace start to get faster anyway so um, so what you thought was too slow before might not be that slow into the future yeah uh, great so now we're just going to have a talk about kind of implementing this on a practical level after this So the training tip, and as we've been talking about, um, slow running is essentially using a heart rate yeah, monitor. This is a good one and because I, I think it's talked about a lot, but people actually really understand. I'm I, I'm not sure. Um, I think probably there'd be a lot of runners out there who do get it um, and do understand what their heart rate is telling them, but there's certainly probably a lot of other people who focus probably first on their pace and their pace and goals. And that would have been me until this year, 100%. Yeah. So I had yeah. Me too, me too, until recently. <laughs> I don't really – I think I mentioned it might have been on the previous in our pilot episode that I've always run but I was a naive runner and, you know, understanding yeah. this type of thing like understanding what heart rates mean when you're trying to do endurance events, it, it, I think it should be step one. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, because you know, you're looking at the marathon, it is a absolutely 100% um, aerobic event. So um, learning how to train yourself to work in a particular heart rate zone is super, super important um, for that event. So yeah, it's, um, it's something that uh, now with the advent of the particularly the wrist-based heart rate monitor. Um, and the price of these things has come down dramatically over the last few years. So, um, yeah, I found I could pick up um, a nice little polar heart rate monitor with a wrist heart rate and, uh, you know, it was less than $200 and uh, I think they're even even cheaper now, maybe even 150 So anyone can have the heart rate um, to help guide their training at any, any given point. Um, it's so good, actually. The technology and the, the cost of it's really come down a long way, hasn't it? I mean, you can certainly get some. I know my Garmin's probably more in the five hundred dollar range, um, but you don't have to start off spending that. No, definitely not. Um, so, how would you use it in your training? Um, look for me because I'm following this heart rate based training. I tend to look at my heart rate monitor quite a lot when I'm out running so I don't have mine set to give me a particular pace the only time that I get a sense of how fast I'm running is you know, one by feel and two when I you know tick over a kilometer split um, it'll pop up and go how fast was that was that last k so for me it's kind of a good way to really 
keep myself um, a little bit in check and to make sure that I'm not working too hard on any given run. Um, and in particularly on my longer runs, um, really important. And I, I kind of learned this last year that I couldn't necessarily go out and run the first hour of my long run, even at my um, my Maffetone pace. So if I decided to go and run the first hour of my long run at 137, 138 beats a minute effort, um, I would be pretty much cooked in the mm. second hour. So I have learned over time to start my long runs much more conservatively um, and, yeah, I try and run the first hour of them uh, usually at a heart rate that's five to eight beats a minute below um, below 137 or 138. And what you find is in the second hour that as you maintain the same pace that the effort to maintain that pace increases and your heart rate starts to rise. Um, so by the time you're getting to the end of your two-hour run, you'd be maintaining the same pace but struggling to keep your heart rate under 137, 138. I think the nice thing about training this way, and I have found it since implementing it at the start of the year, is I was going out for a run and I actually would have my watch face on my heart rate, so I could not see pace, time, anything. Um, and it was just so nice running along thinking, oh, this run is enjoyable. Gosh, this feels comfortable because I was running below my, um, you know, my heart rate and when I did eventually see my paces, they were not fast. I, I started off running six-minute Ks, but I had changed my mindset to say, well, I've got no base and I need to get fit. Um, how do I do this in the correct way? And it was it was so enjoyable and I've just watched, you know, week after week this pace dropping, but the perceived effort level has changed, has, sorry, remained exactly the same. Yeah, that's 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 the thing, isn't it? It's like it's quite rewarding to be able to um, tick along a little bit faster, um, and you know, it's not super fast, but um, a little bit faster than what you were doing, you know, a couple of months before or the year before. Yeah. So it's just a not nice, easy way to kind of progress. Um, and running. I know that. Um, you love a good solo run and I'm certainly someone who prefers some group running. But when I started at the start of this year, I actually did my my long runs, which weren't that long. I was doing them on my own because as you had mentioned um, earlier, I couldn't actually run the pace of the other girls in my group. They were, you know, running five minute to even five thirties. And that was, I couldn't even talk running that pace. So that was sort of a sign to say, go away and get fit <laughs> or find yeah, somebody who's going to run six-minute Ks with you. And I didn't have anyone who was prepared to run that slow. So I just went and did it on my own. Yeah. And then now I am running with the group and it's it's great. I've got, you know, friends and I've got this easy effort of running. But um, I, I had to be very disciplined. Yeah. It's funny though because, you know, um, we're not going to reference like elite running much in this podcast, but you know, we, we do listen to some podcasts where they do talk to elite runners. So, um, uh, inside running podcast had Sean Crichton on and he's like, he's still the Australian record holder in the three K steeplechase and was the 10 K record holder. So a super fast guy. Um, and it was good enough for him to go out and run for two and a half, three hours at around five minute kilometer pace sometimes then like, what business have I got running five-minute kilometre paces, my easy pace? Like it just doesn't yeah, make any sense. No, yeah, that, that was a good interview actually. He's um, a very switched-on guy. Yeah. So it, I just it, – it is a – look, I'm like you. I, I 
I, well, actually, not exactly like you, but um, yeah, look, I've, I just found that a couple of times I've been running with some other people and, you know, park run was nice to catch up with some people that I'd, I'd run with before um, and go and run a lap, lap of Lake Wendouree after the event, but they're just running too fast for me. So, um, you know, they're sort of barreling around the lake at under five minute K pace and I'm thinking I, I can't sustain that. And that like, was your warm down. It's not, that's, yeah, that was supposed to be the warm down and, you know, there's no way that was um, aerobic or 100% aerobic for me um, a few weeks ago. So, um yeah, you've really got to be mindful of what you thought your easy pace was or is and perhaps what it actually is. So using the heart rate monitor is a good kind of sanity check um, for what your easy pace should be. Um, and whether you follow the kind of the Maffetone formula or not, um, another place you could look is the Daniels running formula where you could have a look at what your what a recent race or park run performance was and then figure out what your easy pace is supposed to be based on um, Daniel's formula, and then go and try and run your easy pace per Daniel's and have a look at your heart rate monitor and kind of see what the result is we on that and see what happens to your heart rate. Pop up some of these links actually on the show notes to Daniel's running formula um, that you're mentioning just for people who are actually unaware and aren't exactly sure what they're meant to be looking for. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a great book it's a real real running bible so um it's yeah it's got all these nice reference tables um in addition to the training plans just to give you a little bit more guidance about particular paces that you could or should be running and look i've done a bit of a sanity check on what my current um maffetone pace is so if i'm sort of ticking around at 520 ish is my kind of aerobic easy running it's actually pretty closely aligned to what Daniel's running formula produces for me as an easy running pace. Is it a little bit quicker, well. do you think, Daniel's? When I uh, possibly, a, possibly a little bit faster, um, but I actually haven't done a, a, a fast recent pace um, um, in recent times. So um, I think when I looked it up, I, I basically looked it up on the basis that I could probably run about 21 minutes for the 5K at the moment. And I think that does give you like a, uh, a 520-ish or maybe just below um, easy pace mm. based on that. Yeah, I think for a bit of context, because I have been racing, unlike you, who keeps avoiding your park run, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I actually based it off my recent half marathon performance, which was an hour 27.22. Um, and yep. so Daniels is suggesting that my easy jogging pace is between 4 minute 54 and 5.12, um, whereas mm. when I did the maf- the Maffetone test um, a month or yep. maybe two months ago, my easy pace came out, um, I think it was around 5.09 pace. So um, mm. that's sort of more at the, the slower end of the Daniels spectrum. Um Personally, in the way that I'm feeling, if I was, you know, going out and running, 4.54 is a bit quick for me at a jogging pace at the moment um, and my heart rate would even indicate that I would be pushing a little bit harder than that easy pace. So um, I think it's a good thing to to have these guides but also work them into, you know, it is just a guide. Yeah, absolutely and that's where the heart rate monitor is so valuable because it it either validates what you thought you knew based on those guides, um, but it also gives you that context-specific um, feedback 
um, for you on a specific day based on what's happening in the rest of your life, based on the environmental conditions, based on the surface, based on your shoes, you know, all of those factors. So it's just going to make you be able to make more fine real-time adjustments. um, I didn't wear a heart rate on Saturday when I pulled the pin, but the way that I was feeling, I guarantee if I had have popped that heart rate on, would have skyrocketed. Yeah, probably would have been <laughs> would spiking. have really been spiking. So um, I know my body pretty well to be able to respond to what I should and shouldn't be doing. But you know, if you're new yeah. to endurance running or endurance sports and you don't quite have that background, then, you know, the heart rate, it tells you a lot. It does. And look, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've got years and years of um, training behind me. So I, whilst I'd done a fair bit of running and looked into it a lot I, I still need my heart rate monitor to keep me on track with my effort levels because you can you can find that you sneak up your pace during the course of a run uh, and I've particularly noticed yeah pace and heart rate will kind of go up if you're thinking about something that was stressful at work or annoyed you or whatever so it's good to actually be have that monitor just to kind of pull you up because sometimes you know your mind might drift onto something that's either A, going to make you run faster or just stress you out and therefore your heart rate goes up. So it's a good little sanity check there to make sure um, you're not filling up your happy running time with uh, unhelpful, stressful Definitely. Thoughts. And I think you just, uh, you know, if you're going to have a piece of equipment in your running toolkit, um, invest in that heart rate monitor. Absolutely. Well, I reckon that's nearly a wrap. What's coming up for you Yeah, next well, next week, um, so I have another race it's my favorite race of the the calendar year on my club it is a 4k road race relay i love these races <laughs> Relays oh, they're are good such fun. good fun um and you know running is such an individual sport but when you get a chance to do a relay and you know, it's a distance relay um i just really love it so uh using it as, as a bit of training um but it's on the roads and you know 4k so it'll be a bit of fun actually um, yeah, oh, yeah, so like it'll be hoot. good. Uh, obviously, I'm still trying to get in that midweek long run, which I need to do, and then the Sunday long run, two hours again, is um, is my main focus. So, a lot of the same, same really this week. Yeah. Yep, and yeah, marathon marathon training gets a bit like that it's not rocket science you just got to get out there and run some run some k's again listening to a lot of podcasts that i like doing on these really long solo runs um you you hear a lot of people say beware of the super session which is something that is definitely sticking Mm. in my mind so when i'm looking back at my training i'm thinking well it's a good sign that I cannot pick one fantastic session out of any of my year to date it's just been a lot of grinding not a steady progress. Yeah, and look, for me, um, my main focus actually is, like you, the weekend long run this week and I'm probably only going to do two hours, but uh, I reckon this time I'll be fit and strong enough to really run that out, um, feeling super strong and hopefully not at a great effort. Um, I really want to get to the end of... July feeling like I can do those two-hour long runs and then really not be a big deal, um, whereas, you know, just kind of been slowly building up to be, to get to that point. So I'm, I'm hoping this Sunday is going to be a good run and it'll just give me the confidence to uh, get into that next phase where we'll start to be running more than two hours. Scary. Is, yeah. It's, it's scary. It's hard. When are you going um, to race, to actually? Let's just 
let's just talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about racing. Uh, okay, well, I have actually got a couple uh-huh. of things coming up. Uh, I have entered the uh, Athletics Victoria 15-kilometre uh, road racing championship, which is actually in yeah, oh, we don't have to go far. <laughs> no, very convenient. I'm a, I'm a bit lazy with racing. Don't like to go too far afield. I'm trying to trying to find the exact date that uh, I that's think it's on, the start of actually. August, fourth uh, of August yeah. or something. I, I did look to do that. I, I, I really love that race. I've only done it once, but uh, it's just yeah. I'm not good in the cold, so I I opted out. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm actually I'm going to use it as a marathon specific training session um, and try and figure out um, what my likely marathon goal pace is going to be based on where I'm at training wise. Oh, so what's the, the session? So, this sounds good. Yeah, so it's it, this is a session that uh, Adam Didick talked to. Um, I think it was Inside Running podcast about um, that he gets some of his marathon runners to do. So Jess Trengrove is one of one of his um, athletes, and what he does is get them to do 15k pretty much as a standalone event, um, other than a warm up, and run the first five kilometers at slightly slower than what you think your um, goal marathon rate pace might be, and then the second five kilometer segment you run it at what you think your marathon pace is going to be and the last 5k you run slightly faster than what you think your marathon pace is going to be and while you're doing that um, you wear the heart rate monitor and you after the after the um, session you can basically look at what happened to your effort and heart rate levels at each of those paces and that will give you a bit of a guide of how you're going and whether your current goal is realistic or not. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. So what's, what does 3 hours 20 equate to for marathon pace per kilometre? I think it's about 445, 444 okay. kilometre mm. pace. Um, so I'll probably do that as my middle segment and, yeah, I'll probably start at it. Uh, either be 455 or 450. So I might go 450, 445 and 440 pace, mm. something like that. That's really um, and then just see what happens to my heart rate. Um, and, yeah, I've got my heart rate data from the marathon last year, so I've got a good idea about the kind of heart rate I can sustain over the course of a marathon. So I'll be able to do a bit of a compare and really? contrast and share that with you and uh, I like listeners. it a lot. Yeah, so... Mm. So that's one. You said you had two planned. Oh, yeah. The other one is I'm doing this crazy race on Flinders Island, which is a very small island between the Australian mainland and Tasmania um, in the middle of Bass Strait. Um, So I'm doing a pub-to-pub run. Hang on. Are you you doing the run or just going for the The two biggest... Uh, well, it, it's good that the, the race actually finishes at the pub because I'll be tucking into a recovery beer afterwards. But, um, yeah, they run this race between uh, the towns of Whitemark and Lady Barron. Um, they're the two biggest towns on the island and they're not big towns. Like, they're very small towns. There's, I think there's only about 800 people that live on the entire island. Um, uh, but, yeah, so this is a 26K ish road race um and i think this year they're doing it from lady baron to okay. white mark so that that's on september the first i think so it'll be about six weeks out from so the are you actually going to race that put yourself out 
yeah, I reckon. I think I'll do that because it's going to be quite up and down and the surfaces will be a bit strange. I don't really know what to expect, but my plan was to basically do it at a marathon effort as opposed to marathon pace because I'm pretty sure there's a like a 10K oh. climb or something. Um, so I don't want to kind of run 4.45 pace up a, up a 10K climb because that could yeah. completely cook me. Um, so it'll probably end up being a bit slower than marathon pace, but I'll do it at a heart rate or an effort level that's sort of similar um, to what I'd be doing yeah. in the marathon. And it just I'm doing that one just as a bit of fun, really. Yeah, well, I think um, that could be a good co- topic one day, actually. Quirky races, quirky yeah. races for fun. Yeah, not not yeah. racing for time, just going there, having an experience, and um, yeah, just just kind of enjoying. There's actually one of those. More. I have done the King Island Imperial Classic many many moons ago, and before the actual. Um, a proper 32k event they have a I think it's three kilometer guess your time run you're not allowed to run with a watch um, and the winner wow. is actually the person who runs closest to their time and uh, you win a crayfish and anyone that has ever been to King Island the crayfish down there are amazing <laughs> Sounds like a worthy prize. A worthy uh, prize. Dear. So anyway all right well that's that's good I think we're um, I think we're wrapped for the week. We are wrapped. We will see you next week. You've been listening to Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin on the Running Technique Tips podcast. Bye.